So here's something interesting. Dodgers outfielder Mookie Betts has the top-selling jersey in Major League Baseball heading into the season. Uh, teammate Cody Bellinger is second, followed by Padre, the Padres' uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., Bryce Harper of the Phillies, Dodgers pitcher Clayton Kershaw, Aaron Judge, Ronald Acuna Jr., Francisco Lindor, Kike Hernandez, and Mike Trout round out the top 10 sales figures released by Major League Baseball yesterday. How out of touch am I if I don't recognize like half those names? <laughs> I'm in trouble. Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Major League Baseball is back, but will fans return when stadiums reopen? Get an insider's preview of the teams to watch this season, along with some expert fantasy baseball strategy and advice. Also coming up this morning, the Ohio Barn Project in the spotlight this month at the Hancock Historical Museum. Director Sarah Sisser will tell us what's happening. In our Throwback Thursday segment this morning, nearly one-third of Americans could increase their credit score with the Boost option from Experian to tell you how it works. And in our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, as Christians observe Holy Week, it is also the Jewish tradition of Passover. And there is much the followers of both religions can learn from each other. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, April 1st, 2021. It is International Fun at Work Day today. International Fun at Work. Hey, I always have fun at work. National Burrito Day. National Jump in Muddy Puddles Day. And I apologize to moms everywhere for putting that idea into your kid's head this morning. (laughs) Sorry about the laundry that you'll have to do. National Sourdough Bread Day. National Trombone Players Day. And, of course, April Fool's Day today as well. So, some of the reasons to celebrate, other than the fact that it is Major League Baseball's opening day. So, don't look now, but another wave of supply shortages is likely coming soon. This is a big story this morning. Major problems with international shipping likely to make toilet paper and some other staples scarce once again products are having difficulty making their way across the globe because of well of course the blockade (laughs) the suez canal that stuck ship but also another crisis on the high seas that has simultaneously bogged down global commerce um the uh, the Ever Given, of course, was freed on Monday, but anal- uh, analysts say it could take over a week to clear up the backup. At the same time, a shortage of shipping containers is causing problems in the cargo transport industry. Many of the factories that build the giant metal boxes are in China, and a number of them shut down in the early days of the COVID crisis, and now supplies are short as a result. Companies that make these containers were further caught off guard when international trade began to rebound in the second half of last year. Many things are shipped in these containers, including cars and clothing, so manufacturers are struggling to get their items to the market. Yahoo Finance reporting that that these products could be in short supply soon. I say toilet paper is one, furniture, cheese, and coffee. All right. So 
don't be surprised if those things are going to be scarce for a while and prices, of course, going to go up. So kind of interesting. I had no idea, but I guess it makes sense when you... Uh... Anyway, the uh, latest guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uh, out for Easter, the official guidelines from the CDC for Easter gatherings with a holiday coming up this Sunday. They say, this is direct from the CDC, well, they recommend that you celebrate virtually still and avoid travel if possible. Knowing, however, as I'm sure they do, that many people will not want to hear that, the CDC also said that those who are fully vaccinated may gather together without face masks. So, if everybody in your gathering is fully vaccinated, okay to take off those masks. Uh, They also reiterated guidance that they have previously offered, including the importance of masking up in certain instances, keeping social distance, washing your hands often, and avoiding crowded, poorly ventilated areas. Also, outdoor gatherings are safer than indoor gatherings. That is not new, and anyone hosting a gathering should limit the number of guests when possible. So, there you go. Uh, Guidance, official guidance from the uh, CDC for Easter. Let's see. Oh! New Mexico yesterday. Legislature, state legislature in New Mexico uh, sent the governor a bill that would legalize recreational marijuana. And New York became the latest state to legalize recreational marijuana use yesterday when and Governor Cuomo signed legislation um, so in New Mexico it's waiting for the governor's signature in New York uh, the governor has signed the measure uh, legalization was immediate in the state of New York for those over the age of 21 no arrest or prosecution for possession of up to 3 ounces of marijuana but legal sales will not start for about 18 months until regulations for it are established. So it's okay to possess and use, but legal sales in the state of New York uh, are still several months away. Here is what is interesting about this in New York. A difference from other states that have legalized recreational use, New York's law actually allows marijuana smoking in public, including on public sidewalks. It is not allowed, however, in places where cigarette smoking is banned, such as workplaces, bars, or restaurants. But out in public, if you can light up a cigarette, you can light up a doobie. Now, in the state of New York, um, there are some stricter local cigarette smoking rules that will apply, such as New York City banning smoking in parks and on beaches. So that would then apply to marijuana as well. But any place it's legal to light up a cigarette, it is like uh, legal now to uh, light up a light up a joint. Uh, local governments can also pass tougher marijuana use rules as long as they don't quote essentially prohibit lawful use. So, remains to be seen if some communities will pass laws specifically restricting marijuana use. But I thought that was kind of interesting. It is uh, legal to smoke in public, and that is new and unique. So, anyway. 
some of the more interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your uh, Thursday morning started here. Had to think about that. Thursday morning, the 32nd day of March. <laughs> Happy April Fool's Day. WFIN News, I'm Tom Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert weather. Cloudy, windy 34 today. Clearing overnight with a low dropping to 23. A Seneca County man was arrested after a search of his home on Township Road 98 in Seneca County on Tuesday. The Metrich Drug Task Force served a search warrant at the Hopewell Township residence and found suspected fentanyl, suspected methamphetamine, criminal tools, nearly $3,000 in cash, and a semi-automatic pistol, according to a Metrich news release. 28-year-old Dustin Moore was arrested and charges are pending. A familiar face will be back in Findlay Municipal Court, but in a new role. Governor Mike DeWine has appointed Stephanie Bishop as judge in the court. She will replace Mark Miller, who has left the bench following election to the Ohio 3rd District Court of Appeals. She will assume the bench on April 9th. Bishop has served as an assistant law director for the city of Findlay since 2011. An election will be held in November to determine who will fill the role in Miller's unexpired term through the end of 2023. Despite Governor Mike DeWine giving no indication he will institute a vaccine passport program in Ohio, a lawmaker from Canton is introducing a bill to make it illegal. This comes after New York City says it may create a pass to allow people to attend large-scale events. Representative Al Cutrona says that he believes people should get the vaccine, but it shouldn't be a requirement. A recent upward trend in the number of new COVID-19 cases in Ohio has medical experts urging people to keep their guard up in the fight against the virus. ONN's Angela Rigard reports. Dr. Andrew Thomas is the chief clinical officer at OSU's Wexner Medical Center. He says spikes in COVID-19 cases are in part due to people letting their guard down. I think when you look at some states where they pull back restrictions too quickly, you're seeing those case numbers go back up. The hope is people can hold out a little longer, giving more time for more shots to get into arms. It's really until we get to a higher percentage of folks being vaccinated that we really can start to put this in the rearview mirror. Reporting in Columbus, Angela Rigard. For WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. Take me out to the ball game, sung by Edward Meeker, Edison Record. Take me out to the ball game, take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. It is opening day of the Major League Baseball season. COVID-weary sports fans turning their attention to America's pastime. And Jeff Manns is part owner, chief content officer of the Elite Sports Network, one of the nation's leading experts in fantasy baseball. Jeff, how confident are you that this baseball season will feel more like normal again? Uh, I'm about 90% right now, and if you ask me tomorrow, I'll probably be 91, the next day 92. <laughs> Every day it's getting a little more and more optimistic. Um, you know, spring training has gone off without a, a, a much of a hitch. They're testing these players every single day. They're testing the, uh, uh, the coaching staff, their contact tracing and all that. So 
I, I feel like you know, Major League Baseball's got a pretty good handle on it. Last year, not as confident, and we saw uh, a lot of dips and dives there as well. But I, I'm, they didn't shorten the season either, which I think is very telling on where their confidence level is. We're going to get a full 162 games this season, Chris. What teams are you looking at uh, going into the season? What are the uh, teams that are going to take uh, maybe take people by surprise uh, this year? One of the teams that I think that are being underrated right now is the Los Angeles Angels. Now, the Dodgers, everybody knows, they're spending a billion dollars on payroll. They won the World Series last year and all that great stuff. But I look at the Angels across town with the best manager in the game and Joe Madden, best player in baseball, and Mike Trout. They've got players like Anthony Rendon and Justin Upton really filling out that lineup. Shohei Otani. Uh, they're, uh, the Japanese player they brought in uh, a couple of years ago paid a lot of money for him. You know, he's hitting home runs day after day in spring training, but he's also pitching on the mound. He's back on the mound, so he's going to be one of the first true two-way threats in Major League Baseball uh, in decades. So I think this team is really poised. They've got a very stable pitching staff now as well. So I think the Angels are going to surprise a lot of people. Which kind of leads to the next question. Uh, any bold predictions uh, for this uh, season? I mean, obviously, this is very early, but what is your biggest bold prediction for 2021? Man, so many floods in my mind. I, I think a guy like, a, from, a, from a player's perspective, I think a guy like C.J. Crone, who's a little-known right-handed hitter, he is going to play every day in Colorado. That's a thin air uh, up there in the mountains. It's a great ballpark for hitters. And he's got the perfect swing, the perfect contact, always elevating the baseball when he makes that contact. In Colorado, I think he has a good chance to lead the major leagues in home runs. I think he's going to hit 40-plus home runs in Colorado this year. And I mean, you get amazing odds for that. I think his, his prop line is only about 23 and a half. Wow, we have a lot of wiggle room there. Even if he were to get injured and miss some time, so uh, that's not probably my boldest player take. Okay, for the time being, uh, um, as far as like, yeah, so I, I think that that's a that's an offense to watch. And CJ Crone right in the middle of it is probably the most bold. Well, and, and certainly as you point out, I mean he's in the right ballpark. Uh, if you want to hit home runs, that's when, that's the team you want to play for right there. You were talking about uh, his value as a fantasy baseball player, and with respect to fantasy baseball on that front, talk a little bit about how uh, that has changed over the course of the pandemic. What impact did that have on the fantasy game? I, I, a lot of more, a lot more people playing. You know, um, we, we saw a huge rise in the popularity of fantasy sports during the pandemic because people were stuck inside and, and all that, but. Uh, I think from what we're hearing, the feedback that we're hearing, a lot of people fell in love with the game and uh, fell in love with baseball. The football's always been popular. Fantasy football never is a problem. Baseball, last year's 60-game season, we saw a, a, a large amount of people playing for the first time, trying it out. You know, you bring up the point that the season last year, probably number one because every game counted so much more because there was, uh, uh, you know, a third of them uh, compared to the number that you usually have. And that combined with the fact that people couldn't really go to the ballparks really drove people to discover fantasy baseball. But you see uh, that people will uh, probably stay 
with it that, that people will come back? Yeah, you know, we don't know what to expect as far as how many people will remain, you know, dedicated fantasy players. I, I definitely think a lot of folks fell in love with the game. And the fact that, you know, we, we've taught, and that's our job within the fantasy sports industry, teach people uh, awareness and that you can play at the ballpark. I mean, my son, 10 years old, you know, we're trying to get through all 30 major league parks here, um, by the time he's in college. That is awesome. And, you know, we, we play this pick four game that they always have at, at every ballpark. It's run through the MLB app, right? And we uh, we won a contest while we were in Colorado. I rocked <laughs> enough. We were talking about the Rockies before. We went to Colorado and, and had a really good night in our pick four. And that's just a fun thing. It's a great experience. You can play these games live from the ballpark. And I think a lot of people now realize that. A lot more people realize it. And then... And then, of course, there's the money aspect, which, you know, people, as soon as people make money doing something, (laughs) yeah, no question. For those who are new to it, what is the one strategy that never fails? I mean, if there uh, is one thing, finish the sentence, uh, if you are new to fantasy baseball, the one thing you should automatically do is never pay for pitching. Starting pitchers are, are very overrated. Not only do they only pitch every fifth day, but, you know, back in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, starting pitchers used to uh, go, they used to throw 70% of all innings in Major League Baseball. That number was barely over 50% last year, and it's shrinking every single time. Bullpens are becoming a lot more viable, a lot more useful. They're going to them a lot earlier in games. So don't pay the premium. If you're in a seasonal league, don't draft starting pitchers in the first, second, or third round. If you're playing daily fantasy, don't pay uh, a high salary for even a starter because you're just not getting the return that we used to get. Good to know. Insider information there from uh, Jeff Manns, uh, Chief Content Officer of the Elite Sports Network, one of the nation's leading experts uh, in fantasy baseball. And you've got all kinds of information and insider tips, ways to uh, join or start a league uh, yourself, and much more on your website, right? Yeah, indeed. Uh, EliteFantasy.com, you go there and use the promo code SPRING. All of your listeners can get in for free. Come sample us, see what we are made of, see what we do, see what we offer. So whether you're a, a novice player, whether you're a diehard, we've been winning plans for just about everybody. We've got that link up at our webpage, goodmornings.net. It is not all about baseball this morning. If you've been watching the NCAA men's basketball tournament, you may have seen a number of commercials promoting uh, Experian's Boost program. Uh, The Credit Reporting Bureau has been heavily advertising that uh, with the claim that they can add 20 points or more to your credit score. Now, we all know that a good credit score is often a requirement to access better financial opportunities, but it is amazing how much misinformation there is about how best to build and manage that score. So how does this boost program actually work? Is it a gimmick or is it a real thing? Well, when Experian launched that program a couple of years ago, we spoke with Rod Griffin, the Director of Consumer Education and Awareness for Experian, from January of 2019. It is today's Throwback Thursday. Let's start with the basics here. How are credit scores 
calculated because understanding that will help people understand, I think, why some of what they hear about improving their score is actually wrong. Yeah, so credit scores look at the information from your credit report. So that's the first thing to understand. If you take care of your credit report, you're going to have good credit scores. What the scores are looking at are, first and foremost, do you pay your bills on time or are you late? Payment history is about 35% of a credit score. Mm -hmm. The second thing they look at are the balances on your credit cards. Do you have high balances compared to the credit limits? That's another 30%. So those two things alone are more than half of the score. Just to interject, right there is one of the most common misperceptions is that you have to carry a balance on your credit card in order to improve your score. Not true. Absolutely not true. Yeah, the, the only thing that you get to do if you keep a balance in your credit card is pay interest on it. Uh, right. It's not going to help your credit scores at all. As an example of some of the misinformation that is out there. Now, here's the, the interesting thing, and this could be very beneficial for a lot of Americans who discover that in order to build your score, you need to demonstrate you're good with credit. But in order to get that credit, you need a good credit score. So it's a vicious cycle. Now... Uh, you are expanding that formula a little bit to help some of those individuals who may have found it difficult to build a consistent, good, solid payment history in the past. Yes, and, and Experian's very excited about something we call Experian Boost. And what we've done for the very first time is give people the power to have their positive utility payments reported or their positive cell phone payments reported, even potentially things like your cable television bill reported to help boost your credit score. Uh, And in the past, the negative information could get to your credit report. So if you didn't pay your your cable bill uh, or your cell phone bill, it could go to collections and hurt your scores. But you never got credit for being responsible for payment, and we want to help people do that. So how does that work? I understand this is kind of an opt-in type of uh, system. Yes, and you'll go to our website, experian.com slash boost, and you give us permission to access your bank account, so checking account or savings account that is used to make that utility payment or that cell phone payment. And each month we'll go in through secure systems, get that payment information and put it in your credit report as a positive account entry to help improve those credit scores. What has been the reaction of companies that use your products to determine credit worthiness? Are they on board or are they a little skeptical whether that might dilute the value of the score? The feedback we've gotten has been very positive because what we're doing doesn't affect the predictiveness of scores at all and it doesn't artificially lift scores in a way that's not predictive. What it does is help people who really should be good credit risk but just don't have enough history in their credit report to show that they're a good risk and gives lenders and businesses another piece of information to make a good decision with. And I can imagine this would be particularly useful for those individuals who are just starting out uh, and uh, don't have a, a lot of credit history to build on and perhaps those who are trying to recover from some missteps in the past. Exactly. What we see is that the people who will benefit most are people with thin files, with fewer than five accounts in their credit report, Mm -hmm. or scores of less than 680. Again, Rod Griffin is Director of Consumer Education and Awareness for Experian. One more time, let's mention the website where folks can learn more about this. It is Experian.com slash boost. 
From January of 2019, our Throwback Thursday segment this morning. You can learn more at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Later today, the monthly brown bag lunch lecture series continues. The Hancock Historical Museum. And this month, it is the Ohio Barn Project in the spotlight. Sarah Sisser is with us from the museum. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for uh, taking the time this morning. Ohio Barn Project, I know, is uh, one of your uh, one of the projects that is near and dear to your heart. Yeah, that's true. Over the last few years, I've become really, really interested uh, in this project. This is Dr. Robert Kroger, who will be joining us today. Mm-hmm. He's a retired dentist from the Cincinnati area, and a few years ago, he got um, just kind of a on a whim, got the inspiration to start painting historic barns. Um, throughout the state of Ohio, and it became his goal to paint historic barns in all 88 counties, and he has since achieved that goal. Um, When he paints these barns, they're beautiful oil paintings, and he then donates the paintings to a local organization in that county um, to be auctioned off for their benefit. So we have been the recipient of um, the funds from an auction of several Hancock County barn paintings in the past. And we're actually going to be starting another auction today of seven more barn paintings. But Dr. Kroger will be joining us. He's going to be doing a live painting demonstration showing his style. He'll also be talking a little bit more about the project and his inspiration, some of the individual stories of um, how he's discovered some of these barns and painted them. And he's also um, just released a book published by Arcadia Publishing um, called Historic Barns of Ohio. And it it includes beautiful um, full-color photographs of paintings from all 88 counties. So he'll be signing his book as well. That is uh, awesome stuff. So he's going to actually demonstrate his uh, technique. He's going to have a little Bob Ross thing going on here. (laughs) That's right. He's going to be joining us earlier this morning and starting a painting. um, And then he'll finish that up by the end of the brown bag lecture, and he'll be speaking as he paints. Um, We are doing this, of course, in person, and this is our first in-person lecture of the year. We have sold out for in-person attendance. But people can still join us via Zoom. You can watch uh, Dr. Bob paint. And it's funny you mentioned Bob Ross. We do call him Dr. Bob. (laughs) Um, You can can watch him paint and then um, hear him talk a little bit more about the project via Zoom. And all you need to do to attend that, it's free, is just to register via our website here in the next couple of hours at HancockHistoricalMuseum.org. So there is still time to get the Zoom link and uh, get in on this. And how cool is this? I mean, it's great uh, to be back in person uh, at the museum for the brown bag uh, lunch, but how cool is uh, is it? We talked over the course of the past year that we've kind of discovered ways to do this virtually, and now even more people uh, can join in, even those who would not ordinarily be able to attend in person. So, yeah, yeah that's right. We've really, I think, discovered the benefits of Zoom, but we're thrilled to be able to welcome people back in person today. And I should also mention, even if you're not able to attend the lecture um, in either format, you can participate in the auction. If you're interested in purchasing one of these beautiful original paintings of Hancock County Barnes, the auction starts this morning in just a few minutes, actually, at 8 a.m. The auction will take place entirely online. And again, you can find information about how to bid on our website at HancockHistoricalMuseum.org. The bidding will run through uh, for one week, so it'll culminate in the evening on April 8th. So you can um, take your chance to see if you can win one of these great original paintings. And these are uh, just uh, lovely paintings. Uh, and and I love the, the the fact that these are local landmarks. I mean, uh, you exactly. you may actually recognize some of these barns. You may have uh, seen them before uh, in your travels uh, out and about the county. And um, 
the uh, proceeds from the uh, barn project, uh, what did what are you going to use those for? I mean, are they earmarked for uh, something in particular? Um, they'll go to just continue our mission of preservation and education okay. at the museum. A lot of people okay. don't realize that we're an entirely privately funded nonprofit organization. We don't mm-hmm. receive public funds. Um, so fundraisers like this are important for us to be able to keep the doors open and continue to offer services to the community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that is uh, to lead off the uh, month of April. Uh, you also have, you have the uh, uh, classic movie night coming up later this month as well? That's right, we do. We um, resumed our classic movie nights last month with great success. Again, we're limiting in-person attendance for that, so we ask that Although it's a free program, you do call us and make a reservation so we can limit attendance. Um, and our movie this month will be the third Friday of the month, April 16th, and we're going to be watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, so a more modern classic that I know a lot of people just really love. So join us, um, watch the movie for free, but also get some great educational information about the movie. We start the program um, with a lot of information, contextual information uh, about the movie. And then we end the program. If you want to stick around, we have a great um, led conversation, a discussion about the movie afterwards. I would imagine that that conversation will be really interesting, given the fact that obviously the movie is, as you said, a modern day classic. And uh, golly, it's what now almost 30 years, old. I guess 30 years old. Uh, but then the movie itself uh, was set even further back in uh, in history than that. So uh, kind great. of uh, should be interesting the discussion about the way that period that is depicted in the film was depicted 30 years ago from now. So anyway, that yeah, should a be lot a lot of historical context there. And yeah. I know, again, it's just a favorite for a lot of people. Absolutely. And there are a lot of um, kind of behind the scenes information that you'll get about how things were done with that movie, how they filmed certain scenes like the snake scene and mm-hmm. um, how they created some of the interesting sound effects and things like that. Yeah, uh, really uh, should be an awful lot of fun. And again, that is a, a free program on the, the 16th, did you say? For yep, Friday, April okay. 16th begins at 7 o'clock in the All evening. Right. Uh, anything else to make people aware of coming up the uh, month of uh, April or into uh, later in the spring that they want to put on the calendars? Yeah, we just want to remind people that we are open to the public right now. We have a great new exhibit that you might want to check out about love letters, a, a collection of love letters that we received in a contribution last year um, from Earl Kennedy in the 1920s. And we've created an exhibit that really shows you more about just a day in the life uh, here in Finley in the 1920s and what dating and courtship was like in the 1920s. So we've really enjoyed um, that exhibit, and you can visit that in person now at the museum. There's also a virtual component to that exhibit that you can access via our website at HancockHistoricalMuseum.org. And we've also resumed our weekend hours at the museum. So aside from this weekend, we will be closed on Sunday for Easter Sunday. But outside of that, we're open on Sundays now um, from 1 to 4 p.m. All right. Very good. And again, the uh, Brown Bag uh, Lunch Lecture is happening today. Still time to uh, get the Zoom link for that. And the uh, online auction begins this morning as well, continues through next Thursday. And again, all of the information on that is at the website as well, which we have linked up at goodmornings.net. Sarah Sisser, the Hancock Historical Museum. Sarah, thanks very much. Thanks so much, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. And actually... Uh, kind of a light day for uh, the broken news this morning, which may be a bit surprising given that it's April Fool's Day. You would think that there would be much more foolish stuff in the news, but maybe, just maybe, people uh, were sort of laying low earlier in the week preparing for 
<laughs> April Fool's Day, and it'll be today that uh, people will be doing all sorts of stupid things, and <laughs> and tomorrow we'll have uh, more broken news as a result. I don't know. We shall we shall see. But gonna be a light day for the broken news this morning. Uh, opening day of the baseball season, so we have a uh, baseball-related story. Uh, the Chattanooga Lookouts minor league baseball team can now rest easy. Their mascot costume has been returned. Chattanooga police say the Louis the Lookout mascot for the Chattanooga Lookouts was stolen on Tuesday, along with hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise and other items from the team's field. Uh, it was locked in an office. Somehow, uh, folks, you know, thieves got in and stole. Now, that is that is really... That is really low. I mean, how how low do you have to be to steal Louie the Lookout? Baseball mascot. That's terrible. And how do you fence something like that? I mean, why would you... Why would you see... Is there a black market for mascot costumes out there? I don't know. Anyway, a spokesperson for the team said yesterday that the Louie costume was recovered with the help from the nearby Tennessee Aquarium. It is unclear if the rest of the stolen items were recovered or exactly what Louie was doing at the aquarium. I don't, I don't know, but anyway. Good news is he's back, so all's well that ends well, I suppose. Elsewhere in the broken news, we have uh, stories of stolen vehicles all the time. People take all kinds of crazy things for joyride. We've had fire trucks, we've had ambulances, uh, we've had... Front-end loaders, heavy construction equipment. This may be the weirdest joyride ever. Police in uh, Alachua County, Florida. Is I pronouncing that right? Alachua County, Florida. Police are investigating after discovering someone broke into a locomotive in Newberry. The break-in was discovered on Monday, believed to have occurred between last Wednesday and Sunday sometime. Officials say the train was locked. But the suspects may have entered via a window. Uh, Two switches valued at $30,000 were damaged when the locomotive was put in motion. Somebody took a train locomotive for a joyride. Anyone with information asked to call the sheriff's office. Have no leads. That, I don't know which is stranger, that someone actually stole, basically stole a locomotive, take it for a joyride, or the fact that they can't figure out who did it. How can how can that go incognito? I mean, <laughs> you would think that someone would notice that. But uh, in any event, uh, this from the uh, broken news file. It's a little unusual for the broken news that the uh, that the president, or more specifically, the uh, president's dogs, are in the broken news. Uh, one of President Biden's uh, German shepherds is said to have uh, <clears throat> done number two in the hallway at the White House. One of the hallways of the White House. <laughs> According to a report in the New York Post, a pool reporter was preparing to leave the White House when they saw the dog uh, do his business outside the diplomatic room. <laughs> Shortly after, uh, he spotted Champ and Major, and sure enough, one of them you know, just does his business right there outside the diplomatic room. There may be some poetic justice in that, or maybe apropos, I don't know. You can decide that for yourself. It is unclear which of the dogs... Uh, actually did the deed. Uh, Major actually has had some issues. He 
uh, was removed from the White, from the White House uh, for a time because he had bitten a staffer, and apparently now he has bitten someone at the White House for a second time. Uh, animal experts say the uh, dog may be uncomfortable with his new surroundings, and so he's uh, acting out. But uh, I got to think that's not the first time that this has happened. But uh, outside the diplomatic room. Okay. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is a really sweet story, a little good news to make you smile here. A Georgia woman who found a baby photo while out walking the day after a tornado swept through the area was has been able to reunite the picture with a family who lost it in the storm. Holly Canner of Noonan, Georgia, said she was out walking on Friday the day after an EF4 tornado swept through the area when she spotted a pile of debris and the photo caught her eye. It was a birth announcement for somebody by the name of Mark Horn dated April of 1976. So she couldn't just leave it there in the debris pile. She grabbed it, took it home and uh, posted it on her Facebook page and also on a community page trying to find the owner. The uh, photo was widely shared on Facebook, and soon enough, uh, she was contacted by a woman who identified herself as Mark's mother. Uh, She said, I sent this to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law 44 years ago uh, when my son was born, and uh, thank you so much for recovering it. The woman uh, is now back in possession of the photo. Isn't that uh, wonderful? I, I love stories of people doing good. There you go. That is today's broken news report. This update, the odd and unusual side of the news, brought to you as a public service of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Your home for Cleveland Indians baseball is WFIN. Swing and a line drive, deep right field. Back goes Judge and it's gone! Right into the front row! And Roberto Perez has his 20th home run. The Indians open the season Thursday afternoon at Detroit. Pre-game at 1235. Indians baseball on 1330. WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. When baseball returns... Major League Baseball's opening day festivities today. A lot of stadiums be allowing fans at reduced capacity. The Texas Rangers are the lone team that plans to allow full capacity for fans at their stadium, their home opener. That actually is not happening today. It will be on Monday. President Biden said that he believes that's a mistake. He said that uh, they should follow the science, and science says... Uh, reduced capacity. Anything else he called irresponsible. But the uh, Rangers are requiring fans to wear masks unless they are eating or drinking in their seats. But they are the ones, the only ones, uh, that are back at full capacity uh, for opening day. The teams with the lowest fan capacity for their openers, Boston and Washington. The Red Sox and Nationals will be capped at 12% of capacity the highest uh the 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 largest crowd other than the rangers will be allowed by the houston astros uh the other texas team and they will be uh allowing fans in at 50 percent capacity so it's kind of where we are the indians will be limiting 
uh, fans to 30% of capacity at Progressive Field. And there are a number of changes surrounding virus protocols that you will want to be aware of if you are going to the ball game sometime this season. Uh, first of all, they say 30% of capacity, and that may be adjusted as the season goes on, but they're starting the year at 30% of capacity. Uh, you will notice that the netting at Progressive Field was extended from section 128 in right field to 174 in left, and the height of the netting increased from 23 to 33 feet. One positive result for the fans, because of that, by raising the height, the canopy is gone, and that means actually have more foul balls dropping from the sky and so more souvenirs for the fans. So there is an upside uh, to that. That was actually planned for last year. But then, of course, when everything happened, fans weren't allowed in the stadium. So it's something that uh, became kind of a moot point. Uh, One of the other uh, safety measures, the ballpark will be open. And again, we're talking in Cleveland. Ballpark will be open one hour before all games. This is a key change, according to Cleveland.com. Because the gates used to be open at various hours based on the time of the first pitch, what day of the week it was, and so on, allowed more times for fans to uh, allowed more time for fans to meet and mingle and walk around. Limiting that window uh, will cut down on the time people have to congregate. That is the idea. Admission to the ballpark uh, again at Progressive Field will only be allowed through mobile entry. Uh, Fans will have access to tickets via the MLB Ballpark app. So no physical tickets and screenshots and PDFs of printed tickets will not be accepted. So the only way you get in is with your tickets, the MLB Ballpark app this year at Progressive Field. Face masks, of course, will be required for all fans unless they are eating or drinking in their seats. And pod seating will be in place, they say. In groups of twos or fours, along with six-foot distance between those seating pods. And over the course of the past week, uh, staffers at the stadium have been zip-tying seats uh, where fans cannot sit. So they'll be zip-tied shut. No cheating on that. A couple of uh, other changes. No bags will be allowed. Uh, Exceptions for medical and diaper bags and clutch purses, but... Other than that, no bags will be allowed into the stadium. That is to speed up entry into the ballpark uh, so that there aren't long lines trying to get through security. And the promotional schedule, like bobblehead nights and so on, fireworks nights and that sort of thing, those would be set month by month. Usually, those are scheduled far in advance to allow time for fans to order tickets. But given all of the unknowns this year, uh, they are going to only schedule those a month in advance, and they are even doing that with the caveat that things could change Uh, because there are an awful lot of unknowns heading into the season, obviously. And then one other change at Progressive Field this year that is definitely worth noting, and it has nothing to do with the coronavirus, and that is a policy that restricts, uh, restricts fans from wearing headdresses and face paint. Uh, Anything that references American Indian culture and traditions, Native American uh, culture and traditions, anything that is seen as appropriating that imagery will be prohibited 
at Progressive Field this year. As you know, Chief Wahoo is no longer uh, anywhere in the uh, in the stadium. They're looking at even changing the name of the team, not this year, but in the future. And so that is a new restriction for 2021 as well for fans to be aware of. Don't go up with your face paint. Show up at Progressive Field to make you wash it off before you get in. Some of the changes on opening day that you want to be aware of before you head to the ballpark. And now to our ongoing Keeping the Faith series. For Christians, this is Holy Week. For our Jewish friends, they're observing the tradition of Passover at the same time. It's one of those parallel uh, observances, or like uh, Christmas and Hanukkah, but uh, Holy Week and uh, Passover coinciding. And there are a lot of things uh, that, that followers of both faiths can actually learn from each other. So in recognition of the Jewish observance of Passover, the Christian observance of Holy Week, here is correspondent John Clemens this morning, Keeping the Faith. Mark Gerson writes in his book, The Telling, that there's a lot that both Christian and Jew alike can learn from each other. Christians right now are experiencing a rediscovery of their Jewish roots. I hear this over and over again from the Christians who I've been so blessed to become friends with and to learn Torah with, that they're rediscovering their Jewish roots. I hear the analogy of the root and the branch all the time. And our shared sacred text is the Torah. It's the Bible. And I see Christians thirsting. I see Jews thirsting to study together and to learn the word together and to come to the truths of the Bible by studying with one another. The meaning of Passover, the Seder, and the Haggadah are fully explained in Gerson's book, The Telling. When we celebrate the Passover holiday at Seder night, we are reliving and we are retelling the story of the Exodus directly from Exodus 12 and 13 in the Bible. And in the original proto-Seder, at the last meal in Egypt, as detailed in Exodus 12 and 13, it was enjoyed by Jews and the mixed multitudes, which were Gentiles. Gerson actually teaches lessons about the Torah to a group of Christians every week. I, I teach um, every Tuesday at noon, I teach uh, evangelical pastors and others Torah, right from the Bible, from a very Jewish perspective. And we're able to have this wonderful exchange about biblical ideas, about biblical text, the Jews and the Gentiles studying our shared sacred text together and learning God's word in unison. The Telling is a book that highlights the growing friendship Christians have with Jews. This friendship between Jews and Gentiles originated in the Bible when Abraham's great friend and mentor was King Melchizedek, who was a Gentile, when Moses' great friend and mentor was Jethro, his father-in-law, when Joshua's great friend and mentor was Caleb, and now we are back to where the Bible wants us to be, which is a great friendship between Jews and Gentiles. We Jews have been waiting for 6,000 years for friends like the evangelical Christians are to us today. Gerson gives us several examples of this growing friendship. I look at my great friends at, at Eagle's Wings, which is an extraordinary organization that brings evangelical pastors to Israel and sustains the love they develop for the land of Israel after the trip concludes with all kinds of uh, biblical education, of Torah education, and of continuing the fellowship between the evangelical Christians and the Israeli people and the Jewish state. Another example involves Christian broadcasters. I think about it with my friends at the Christian Broadcasting Network, which is CBN is, is the media that has the most intelligent pro-Israel commentary that there is. 
from DVDs to articles to videos to books. Gordon Robertson is one of the greatest proponents of the state of Israel ever. The pandemic of 2020 caused a number of disruptions. But Gerson is excited for this Passover when the Haggadah will be read around the world. At the Passover Seder, which is the focal point of the Passover holiday, one of the things we do is we reach for the book in front of us, and that short book is the Haggadah, the telling. And what that short book really is, it's the greatest hits of Jewish thought, all distilled, as it says in Deuteronomy, for our benefit. Gerson's book, The Telling, has been written for the benefit of all of us. What I try to accomplish in The Telling, which is the book that I wrote about the Haggadah, is to unpack it and to show how all we need to live a happy, better, and more meaningful life is in this, is in this short book in front of us, the Haggadah. Gerson had a specific reason for writing The Telling. What's the point of the Bible? What's the point of the Torah? What's the point of the Haggadah? It's to help us live better, more fulfilled, and happier lives in the times to come. And the Haggadah is just so perfectly constructed to help us in our daily lives from the moment we wake up till when we go to sleep till when we project who we want to be in the future. And the goal of the telling is just to show how the Jewish wisdom, which is distilled so magnificently in the Haggadah, exists to help everyone do exactly that. Gerson gives us an insight of what happens at the Seder. We sit down with our at a Seder table. The word Seder means order. Uh, we sit down at a Seder table, and the Seder is modeled exactly after the last meal in Egypt, which is detailed in Exodus 12 and 13. And so we sit down at the Seder table with our family and other households and friends and strangers. Mark Gerson tells us how to get more information about his book, The Telling. The Telling is available on, at bookstores everywhere, both online and offline. My website is uh, therabbishusband.com. And because uh, I am married to a rabbi, so I'm the rabbi's husband dot com. And uh, so there's um, lots more information um, about me and about the book uh, there. This is John Clemens reporting. We have the link up at our webpage for more information about the telling much that Christians and Jews can learn from each other during this Holy Week and Passover, the parallel observances of both faiths, keeping the faith this morning. And that is our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow, finish up the week.